Hey, photographers, welcome to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz, and really I'm just here to help you build a sustainable photography business. That certainly means helping you improve your photographic skills and enabling you to become a stronger business owner, but it also means helping you work more efficiently so you don't get burnt out in the long run. We are sponsored by PhotographersEdit.com, custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu.com, that's M-I-I-L-U.com, the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing. All right, let's get into today's episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're back for a brand new Boca Podcast episode and one of the, re- the few return guests that we've had on the show. Doss Miller is here with me again today. Doss, thanks for hanging out with me. We, we worked through a bunch of technical issues and we we're making this happen. <laughs> yes, yes. Glad to be here, Nathan. Well, and, and just for everybody listening in, if you're not familiar with Doss, you didn't get to hear episode 256. Uh, we're going to link to that in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. We talked about how to direct powerful portraits. So if that topic interests you or you just want to get to know Doss a little bit more, go back to that episode. Again, we'll link to that in the show notes. Uh, but to follow up on our conversation just a little bit, Doss, I, I, one of the things that I don't think we talked about in that first episode, it's something that you mentioned in your your Instagram bio, actually, which for everybody listening in is Doss, D-A-U-S-S, photo, F-O-T-O. Um, you say that you're an ice cream addict, and I have to at least ask <laughs> you, what kind of ice cream is your favorite? Oh, man. I, it, it's funny. Actually, these days, I'm really trying to cut back on sugar and dairy, so it's been a real struggle. <laughs> I bet. Uh, but my my ultimate favorite is um, is Haagen-Dazs coffee. Um, if I'm not making it at home or, or you know, dabbling in, in recipes myself, it's it's Haagen-Dazs coffee. If I get a pint of that, it's nearly impossible to put down once I get started. So, <laughs> so yeah, try not to buy it. Straight up coffee, no like chocolate chunks or anything like that, just straight coffee. Yeah, usually I feel like the chunks kind of take away from the experience for me. Like I'm I'm like, it's kind of like, you know, if you're a connoisseur of anything, you don't want anything muddling up the experience. Fair. So um, I, like, you know, unless I'm, I'm <laughs> getting extra crazy, I just really prefer the smooth, you know, solo experience of, of, of the Haagen-Dazs. Okay. All right. So, so dense and man, now I got to go get some, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but you also mentioned, do you actually make some of your own ice cream at home? Yeah. Yeah. But before I was a photographer, 100%, I've always done it, you know, behind the scenes um, and along the way, but I had, I was a district manager for a, a national ice cream company and uh, due to my my you know my passion for it, <laughs> and um, I did really well in that company and created a lot of, of recipes um, that went national back in the day. So, really, um, it's really fun to to you know have that and do it at home uh, it, on occasion. Is the name of the company secret? Can we talk about it? Oh no, it's uh, I'm not even sure if they're around anymore. It's Maggie Moon International. Okay, I, I worked for Baskin Robbins way back in the day. In fact, my first retail ah, job. Bas- actually was Baskin Robbins and, you know, just serving ice cream and of course getting the free samples um, here and there as well. But (laughs) I'm with you on loving ice cream. In fact, my my kind of theoretical goal at the moment as far as having cheap food, you know, sugary food, um, because I'm also trying to manage it a little bit more effectively is is like a cheat meal on Sunday. So the idea is, you know, whatever it might be, pizza for the meal, 
And then my go-to as of late has been a, a pint of ice cream. And I, I tend to go to Ben and Jerry's. It, do you have a favorite okay. Ben and Jerry's? Oh man. Um, I've got a few. There's a, there's a, a cheesecake. Uh, what was it? There's some sort of cheesecake one that I was, I okay. was really into for right. a minute, but but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't recall. I've really like, honestly, I've been trying to steer clear of all of that because <laughs> I was noticing it was affecting my, my life <laughs> Fair <laughs> in enough. negative ways, and you he, know, <laughs> and here we are tempting you further. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll take a step <laughs> right? back from that. Um, <laughs> as I mentioned earlier for everybody listening in, we had Doss on the show back episode 256. So it's been a little while, but, uh, some of the questions that I normally ask at the beginning of the show, we touched on there. So make sure you go back and listen to that episode if you haven't heard it. One of the things we didn't talk about specifically, Doss, I don't think, is this question about customer experience. And I'm, I'm curious if, in fact, our our major topic of conversation today has to do with customer experience. Uh, we're going to get to that in a little bit. But if you were to pinpoint one thing, one big idea that you think has made a big difference for you in providing a great customer experience for your clients, what would that one big idea be? Really just honing into the to the client and you know making sure i understand who they are and and where they come from and, and what connected them to me you know making the the connection personal um has you know really really changed changed my business and my client experience so it makes each experience unique um and personal and that that's really you know taken things a long way Okay, and we're going to talk more specifically about how you do that here in just a little bit but before we do a couple more questions for you uh, we talked about time management in the last episode that we did together. I don't know that we really touched a whole lot on the concept of delegation or outsourcing. And of course, this is relevant to editing or album design or administrative tasks. I mean, there's a whole long list of things that we could potentially delegate. Is this something you've experienced with in, or experimented with, I should say, or had experience with in your business? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, like with time, man, it's time management is a big part of everything, you know, like if you can be efficient and, and smart with your time um, and making space and time for yourself uh, as a business owner, um, the more enjoyable it's going to be and the more efficiently your business can run. So um, first understanding where my time goes uh, is, is really important and, and a big step like initially um, and knowing where there's opportunity, like a big thing that I, w- I would do and I, I kind of regularly do is in assessing what I do with my time is I create a not to do list. We're, we're so used to making, you know, itemized to do lists, but it became really important uh, to me to create a not to do list and, you know, making sure that I absolutely don't mess with them. And those are either outsource items or things that I just completely take out, like if they're not serving me or my business positively, then they just get removed or, or delegated if it's something that has to stick. A not to do list. That's good. Can you give me an example of something that would be on that list for you? Uh, for me is batch editing, <laughs> you know, like it's finding a, a, an outsource relationship, uh, isn't difficult, you know, someone that dials into uh, my style and, yeah. and, you know, creates a, a consistent product is really all it comes down to. And then if I need to make any any personal or, you know, tweaks or retouching um, on the back end, um, it's super easy to, to kind of step in, but it cuts, you know, it literally cuts eight, 10, 15 hours out of, out of the process. So it's kind of a no brainer. It's like, you know, that's net time right off the bat, easy peasy. It's like, just get it off the list and, and, and 
outsource it. Yeah. You know, it, it's so interesting. And I'm glad you pointed this out, the amount of time, because it, the numbers that you just threw out there are numbers that I usually use as well. Anywhere from, let, let's just call it a range from eight to as much as 16 or 20 hours. If, sure. if somebody was like, if somebody came to me, let's just say I was working for a retail company of some kind and I was working a 40 hour week and they said to me, hey, guess what? You can make almost the same amount of money this week, but work half the amount of hours. Would you like that option? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> I, I would be crazy not to say yes, right? And and put the right. extra little bit of investment necessary in place to make that thing happen. Because yeah, sure, outsourcing the editing, for example, of, of a wedding might cost 150 bucks or 200 bucks. But the fact that I would literally get half my week back is a mind-blowing concept that for whatever reason, some photographers still fight against. And you know, mm-hmm. teach his own in the end. But I, I just... I'm so passionate about time because of my childhood experience with regards to time and relationships, how that affected me. I want to make Mm -hmm. sure that I personally have as much flexibility in my life as a business owner as possible. And so delegation is important to me. And I want photographers listening in and others in the industry to also have that kind of freedom and flexibility, both for the sake of relationships and also for the sake of then being able to focus the, the time they do spend on their business on the things that actually grow their business. Uh, and mm-hmm. you know, outsourcing or delegating editing work is the is the fast track to having that kind of freedom and that yep. flexibility. So I, I'm so glad mm-hmm. you highlight that. Yeah, it's the big easy one to check off the list. Yeah, it really is. Everything else, like um, I dig into, um, you know, first understanding like what my hourly rate is and doing, you know, doing figuring out my cost of doing business so sure. I know what my hourly rate is, and then anything that's like that doesn't make sense for me to spend my time on. Um, I, you know, I start to explore avenues to outsource it or, or how else I can delegate it. So it's not taking up my personal time because working on my business, um, is more important, you know, coming up with creative marketing strategies or, or, um, you know, designing new, um, new ads or, or that are much more important for me to do than, than, you know, fielding lead questions that, that don't make sense or, sure. um, anything like anything else like that. So. Well, I, I I love the way that you frame that. And and for everybody listening in, take it to heart. I mean, when you consider how much of your life you can get back, if you're just willing to give up a bit of control, uh, it makes so much difference in your business and your personal life. Uh, it's worth giving, at least giving it a shot. So highly recommend that. Now, yes. I, I want to get to the next question. I asked you before um, in, in our the previous episode that we did together about a, a favorite book, one that's made an impact in your life. You actually listed a number of them, and I'll just mention them here again. One was Crushing It by Gary Vaynerchuk. Another was Start With mm-hmm. Why by Simon Sinek. It's been a super popular one here on the podcast. Uh, another was The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, um, which has also mm-hmm. been a popular one here on the podcast. And um, and then awesome. Simon Sinek's TED Talk um, as well, I think tied to that Start mm-hmm. With Why conversation. We'll link to all these in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. But I'm curious, since we last talked, um, is there another book that you would want to throw into that mix? I might get in trouble. I'm a heavy reader. So it coming up with one is really tough. Oh man, throw out three <laughs> or five or 10. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. It's it's a part of my self-care routine. It's really important. And yes. like having a solid morning, morning routine and yes. all of that. Captivate by uh, Vanessa Van Edwards okay. has been a really, really uh, had, had a big impact on me. Um, I've, I've got a little bit of like social anxiety sometimes and some, you know, things that pop up for me. So sure coming up with ways to, to, you know, connect with people is, has been a game changer for me. So is that the premise there about captivating the attention of the person on the other side of you or what is, what's the premise? 
Yeah, basically, um, ways ways to have engaging conversations, you know, and c- keeping it interesting and creative, and not daunting for for you or the other person. Uh, it, it's it's really illustrates some really um, creative ways to to have small talk, but not you know like valuable um, relationships and conversations outside of of you know just touching on on communication. You know, it's like it really digs deep. And it gives you some really easy ways to get there, comfortable ways to get there. Okay. I, this is interesting. And and I, in fact, I just pulled it up on Amazon too. And the Kindle edition with audio and video is only five bucks. So it's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah. I, I've been actually in the process mm-hmm. of reading a series of book on, books on communication because it's something that I want to continue to do better at. So I'm definitely adding this mm-hmm. one to my list. That That's great. You're about to say awesome. another one though. Yeah. Yeah. The Art of Thinking Clearly okay. by Rolf Dobelli has been, a, you know, having, having these, these resources to kind of, you know, bounce around in your mind as, as things come up in life or in business is just, I mean, it's been invaluable. Um, so, and I'm an artist and creative, obviously, and being organized in my thoughts and in my processes is always a challenge. So <laughs> having things, um, you know, from a, from a, a third party perspective to, to kind of help me work through narrowing my pro times or being more, strategic in my in my attack or you know um just getting some help and tools like learning some new tools and sometimes it's a simple shift of of perspective that that you know gets you through things or helps you break through a a pattern or or, um things that create issues for you yeah i'm I'm actually i pulled the book up on amazon as well and and the description on the back of the book really frames it in an interesting way he says we are all guilty of cognitive biases simple errors we make in day-to-day thinking but by knowing what they are and how to identify them, we can avoid them and make better choices. Uh, again, yeah. that, that sounds like a really fascinating read. It is, man. It's good. <laughs> All right. I'm adding that to my list now, too. <laughs> uh, good, good, good. Uh, I've got two more. Go for two it. Two more that I think are really powerful. Uh, the Illusion of Money by Kyle Cease. The Illusion of Money? Uh-huh. Okay. And then um, Un- Unfuck Yourself by Gary John Bishop. Yes. You know, I'm... That sounds eerily similar to another book that I read. Let's see. Okay, I don't think I have that one currently in my library. Okay, Unfuck Yourself by Gary John Bishop. Get out of your head and into your life. That sounds like something that I need. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> it's constant, the constant reminder. Like, get out of your head and into your heart and into the reality. You know, it's like where stuff happens. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So can you give me, if you don't mind, just give me an idea, like a specific example, because man, this is definitely something I can relate to an example of how you kind of get stuck internally. And that keeps you from doing, you know, because I mean, there's, I've been guilty of this time and time again, it's easy to have an idea. Um, It's another thing to actually do something about that idea. And and yeah, one of the things that gets yeah. in the way most often is this crazy brain of ours that we get stuck just kind of rolling around in there. So w- what does that look like for you? It's constant. Uh, I mean, I, I'm a hyper creative person, so I've got idea and my fiance. Well, like we're both like uber creative people and okay. like grand visions, you know, so there's all these e- enormous, uh, you know, heavy p- produced ideas that come about all the time. And it's like, you know, we end up bouncing around and, and some of them fall off, some of them don't. And, you know, it's, it's really tough sometimes to, to sink back down into reality and like, you know, 
figuring out ways to to truly like implement <laughs> implement ideas that that don't take millions of dollars and and you know a, a team of a hundred thousand people <laughs> to make it work you know <laughs> so but uh, you know outside of that like just for me personally things as simple as social media posts sometimes or um, you know, uh, stories or reels now on Instagram. It's like, I'll, I'll get a cool idea to, to jump in and do something and, um, I'll get caught up in, in exactly what I'm going to say, or, uh, you know, what, what, what text should I put on the screen? Just logistically, you know, things start to get in the way of the, of the grand creative vision that I had had initially. So, you know, you waste a lot of time with those sometimes mundane details in between when, Sure. It, sometimes it, it's better to just dive in and and keep that creative, you know, creative cusp to to push you through uh, instead of allowing yourself to to think yourself out of of the whole process, <laughs> which is, you know, uh, one of my inner critic sabotage ways to, you know, to keep me from doing things. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Well, and I think one of the things that ha- helps too, and this is actually something that I I want to do a better job. I'm going to do a better job of uh, you, you all heard it here, listeners, I'm committing to this, uh, as much as I talk about task and project management, you know, one of the most important concepts of implementing a good task and project management system is breaking down a project into multiple tasks or steps. Otherwise mm-hmm. you see that big thing that you want to get done, but you're just looking at that big thing as one task. And it really isn't, it's probably 10 or 15 or 20 or 50 different tasks or steps right. that are required to to accomplish that one big thing. I'm in the process right now, really, I guess, of beginning to launch three new businesses, three new companies. And th- there wow. are, in addition to everything else that I'm already doing. And so how does that going to happen? Well, th- the most effective way for me anyway, is to create each of those business launches as a, as a project in the, the system that I use. It's called Todoist. And then under those projects, create tasks and potentially subtasks as next mm-hmm. steps that I can then easily jump to. You know, I, I accomplish one one day. That's awesome. The next day, the next one in line, I, I knock that out. And I can just do it one step at a time. And it at the very least, it's less overwhelming when it's all broken down that way. And I may have less excuses or reason to, again, get stuck in my head and not actually accomplish that thing just by breaking it up into smaller pieces. What do you think about that? Nice. Nice. Yeah, that's great. Great point. Most things that, that, you know, we make a big mountain out of, um, can be broken down into multiple steps that are more digestible. And, and, um, uh, I, I feel like most artists are, are project based. So, uh, you know, breaking things down into smaller, smaller projects with giving yourself a, an action plan and a, and a time limit or whatever to, to complete it yeah. is a great way, great way to get through it. Well, I think what I'm realizing too in that regard, and, and just just a little bonus content here, but just a thought, um, and maybe you have a particular way you approach this too, Doss. But for me personally, as I'm trying to think big picture and play more the role of a CEO than I have been, because it really is easy to get kind of mm-hmm. stuck in the day to day. But look at the big mm-hmm. picture, think big picture, and then of course delegate, like we were talking about earlier. I need to do a lot of planning. Uh, you know, even even down to what we were just talking about creating that project into Doist and breaking it down into multiple steps. It takes a little bit of time. When I get into my work week, though, 
I'm kind of going this week in particular, it's been, been, you know, go from one thing to the next to the next. And I don't have as much time to do that planning work. So I think I have to set aside, like just kind of block off my Saturday mornings, for example, as <laughs> a planning segment um, and mm-hmm. and then use that time frame to do that planning work is do you do you take certain times of the day, week, month, year to to do planning like that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it's a part of organizing myself. I think it's important to kind of assess what you what you have to do. And the more, you know, the, the things that are going to take more effort or time or energy um, or focus, they definitely go way up on my priority list. So if I have a big project that I need to get organized on and, and come up with an action item list or whatever um, and plan it out, that that goes, you know, high up on my priority list. And I block that, you know, usually like Mondays are, are kind of like my my organization office kind of day. And uh, I, I spoke uh, our last interview uh, podcast before I spoke about breaking things up into three hour chunks. So um, those things would go into my first, you know, three hour chunk okay. yep. <laughs> on Monday yep. uh, to make sure to make sure it gets done. Because, you know, if, if it's like if you leave it in that area of, OK, after I do this or that and I'll get to it later in the day by the time you get to it, it's like, you know, it, you have too much time to talk yourself out of it. Number one, your energy isn't as, as, as high. You're not quite as sharp. So it's best to, to kind of nail those things and get, get them off the list early on. Yeah. that's a great point too. Those kind of picking a set of tasks that you focus on first thing. Also something that I need to, man, it's yeah. I, I mean, I, I, you know, running a business, being a human being for that matter, it's an ongoing process. And, and, um, I certainly have a list of things that I need to, to continue to, to work at. And this task and project management, as I have more and more kind of added to my plate is something that I need to do a better Mm -hmm. job of, I guess, refining because I've got a system of sorts, Mm -hmm. uh, but I could always be better. And and the last thing that I want is I take on more brands and, and get involved in building more brands, build more companies. Um, is for that then to eat up my life. I have I have no interest in being you know Gary Vaynerchuk or any list of other people who spend 60, 80 <laughs> hours a week working and just kind of don't do anything else. That's not the life that I mm-hmm. want. That's not why I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, but and and I know that I can can have that kind of freedom and flexibility if I'm intentional about the systems that I put in place. So anyway, th- this has been mm-hmm. a pretty interesting point of conversation. But I want to keep going because we have a pretty major topic to to dig into here. And, and, you know, in kind of conversation previous to our interview today, the, the title that I came up with, at least tentatively, was Client Experience Beyond a CRM. And this title I came up with based on mm-hmm. kind of your, your ideas about what you thought we could get into. But I think it's a really interesting premise. You know, CRMs, we've talked about CRMs on the podcast previously. They're wonderful, wonderful tools, kind of like task and project management systems that kind of help autom- well first of all help us organize what it is that we do mm-hmm. and CRMs can be really great these days and that they help us automate our workflow that's really great but there's something about stepping beyond the CRM and still maintaining a a sense of personalization that I think is required especially of sole proprietors who are trying to create a brand um, in order to pro- provide number one the best possible experience for their clients but ultimately to build a following um, and, and so mm-hmm. for you, I know that you said one of the ways that that kind of starts or really the way that it starts is with cold leads. And honestly, I, right. even that phrase cold leads to me is a bit of a foreign concept as it, as it relates to, 
um, running a photography business, at least in 2020, you know, back in the day, like actually when I started Dust, there, there were, there were, I mean, yellow pages was the thing, right? And people might yeah, literally yeah. <laughs> flip through the yellow pages and pick, see our name and call us based on that. To me, that seems like a cold lead. What do you mean by cold lead and, and how do you engage with a cold lead to really kind of warm them up to the, to the DOS photo experience? Yeah. Well, a cold lead is anyone that doesn't know know me or my brand yet. Um, they've just come across my brand or uh, via an, an ad or word of mouth. They don't know much about what the experience is. So okay. that person is 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 cold to the idea of being a client. They they don't really know the benefit or the value um, of of it just yet. Okay, fair enough. So I and the reason I said that to me that was a foreign concept in 2020 is because I assume and and this is probably way too broad an assumption, but I assume that many if not most of the leads that at least established business owners get um are references from, you know, their their clients uh or vendors that they're associated with, family, friends, whoever it might be, but they're references. So they're they're at least slightly warm leads. How, what percentage of the leads that you get are are totally cold leads where they just did a Google search or a search on Instagram and found you that way? Uh, I, these days I would say, I don't know, it's pretty low. Um, okay. maybe, maybe 15, 20% okay. um, of total. But I, my process now is, is kind of, I kind of send out like a, a you know, a, a broadcast <laughs> reel to, to bring in a, a swarm of, of leads that are cold that I don't have to necessarily, engage with personally. So, um, with, um, you know, email campaigns and drip campaigns and, and sending out information via PDFs and, um, video clips and things like that. So that it's, you know, running them through the lead process, warming, warming them up so that by the time they do contact me, they, they know pretty much everything I want them to know about my brand and about my business. So it just kind of nurtures them through the process. So um, it kind of starts with cold leads, but I don't really have to have to manage or deal with it like directly. Okay, I see. Um, and you mentioned running uh, ads as well. Do you actively run Facebook ads to, to generate cold leads? I do. I do. You know, it's a, a really powerful tool, and it's it's Facebook collect, collects data points. Uh, I, don't, I can't remember the the number, but an uncomfortable amount of data points about all, all of us. Sure. <laughs> and uh, you know, like. It, it can be something that my fiance and I d- discuss, or we send a text message link between each other. And all of a sudden moments later, I'm, I'm getting an ad uh, from something that she was talking about, yeah. you know, a few minutes before. So the targeting and, and um, you know, all of the, the, it, it's a really powerful tool and it, uh, you know, of everything available, it just doesn't make sense to avoid it. Um, so uh, I, I definitely make use of it. Yeah, that's that's such a loaded topic. I mean, the privacy issues associated <laughs> with that platform. Yeah. Um, but I, to your point, I mean, it's it, it's a, an available tool. I know that Facebook is continuing in one form or another to try to refine their process to make sure that people have a choice in how much of their data is being shared. Of course, we're also making the choice. And I, this is something that really isn't discussed enough, I don't think. We're making the choice to spend time on this platform and then upset that sure. they're using our behavior on their <laughs> platform that we are choosing to use that they're using mm-hmm. that as a means of targeting ads. Um, I think there's some irony in that. But that aside, it is a powerful platform. You're right. I mean, I was just reviewing um, an ad campaign that we're running for Photographers Edit. And uh, I won't go into to specific numbers at the moment, but double-digit return on investment using Facebook. It's super, super, super powerful. Mm-hmm. 
and um, kind of mind-blowing at times, actually, how, how good it really can be. Is there something that you're doing, though, in this process of, you know, whether it's through an email campaign or Facebook ad or otherwise, drawing in these cold leads that at least gives a touch of warmth or personalization to that process of bringing in the cold lead? Absolutely. Um, it, that's what it's all about, really. Creating ad or kind of sending out a, um, you know, a hook of some sort to catch the interest of, of my ideal bride. So she is intrigued uh, enough to click. So she's going to receive value from me. She's going to get um, some questions answered that she's already got, um, mm. or maybe she doesn't even know she has, you know. Um, so she's going to click to receive my, my, um, a link to a private video or, you know, a hidden blog, bl- uh, blog post on my website or something like that. So she's going to receive some value. But, um, the beautiful thing for me is that once she clicks and, um, opts in, I have her, her information then to continue marketing to her for free. So like, I don't have to continue to pay to, to reach, you know, that, that particular person. So um, I kind of do advertising or um, paid ads on Facebook or Instagram or whatever in waves. And I get to decide when, when it's, you know, when it makes sense to, and I, you know, gather, you know, 50, 100, 200 new leads. And then um, into my, into my, basically into my, my lead funnel and um, I can market to them free uh, via emails and, text messages that I'm sending more value, but I kind of have a, a cycle of content that I send them that goes through, you know, value, value, value. And then, then I, you know, give them a call to action um, that makes sense um, uh, to kind of edge toward conversion <laughs> at some point. Yeah. But, um, the idea, the idea is that I'm, you know, I'm giving them um, all the information that I, that I used to, to spend in meetings, you know, educating them on like educating them on my process um or you know explaining how a shoot works so now they're getting all that information up front via behind the scenes content or um you know blog posts that they get to get to experience um emails uh, information links to different things to educate or to you know provide resources um as far as other vendors or um you know things to think about for their wedding day all kinds of things that i just get to kind of take off my list um uh, to, to have to initiate or dive into during meetings later. Okay. But it starts with that, that, um, lead magnet, which in this case is a Mm -hmm. a PDF with some information. So you're, you pointed out, you used that word value earlier. You're adding value to their life right off the bat. Mm -hmm. You're giving them something at no cost to them, uh, other than their email address, which has benefit. It answers questions. It gives them some type of assistance in what it is that they're doing, as a, a bride or a groom. And that's kind of a starting place, which is an interesting segue, I think, to my next question, which has to do with education and expectation, because this is something else that you said is a part of what you do, this education piece. I would, I would personally say that expectation management in particular, education to go along with that uh, of, you know, what is it like to use DOS photo? What is it like to use DOS photo specifically on the wedding day? What am I to expect about this process? What does it look like? What will I get as a final product? Will we have meetings? I mean, the endless list of questions associated with that experience. We as photographers have not just the opportunity, but the responsibility, I think, to effectively manage the expectations of our clients and potential clients by educating them about how things work. And so, 
to that end, um, I, you mentioned to me three things actually before we started recording today, uh, questionnaires, emails, and meetings being kind of three touch points where you're able to more effectively educate your clients. Can you break down how you educate your clients with each of those things? Yeah. Um, so it's really important to get all the information I can. So questionnaires are really, really big part of, of my process. Yeah. So that way I, I understand, you know, where they're coming from. I have, have all the details. I have their, their preferences, um, personal things that they do with their, with their free time. I get all the information that I can, I, I get to, to use to tailor their experience down the road. So, you know, when it comes to pre-wedding day, bringing a, a gift to the wedding or sending a gift um, to them before the wedding, I get to, to choose from my, my list uh, that I've developed at that point through powerful questions from questionnaire and conversations that I've had that were, were peaked or sparked from questions from a, from a questionnaire. So it's, you know, it's, it's really invaluable for me on my, my end to make sure to ask those powerful questions so I can use them throughout their experience. And most times people don't realize that I'm, you know, I'm gathering information and I'm like, you know, data entering all of their details. Um, so it's, it's relaxed and comfortable for them. They don't realize it's a part of my process, but it, it happens to be, a, you know, one of the, the most uh, intricate parts of, of the process. So uh, I'm kind of just giving back their own information and, and unexpected gifts and perks and, and ah. um, things show up yep. th- uh, for them throughout the throughout the process. Well, and you use that phrase, powerful questions or asking powerful questions. I want to come back to that here in just a second, because we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. specific ways that you do personalize that experience for your clients. But um, questionnaires is the first thing or first tool that you're using to educate clients for a better experience, um, kind of indirectly, because you're asking questions, you're getting information, but you're almost educating them via the questions, which is kind of an interesting concept. But then emails, Mm -hmm. how are you using emails specifically to manage their expectations to educate them? Uh, same. It's I make sure that, especially th- this is uh, like a booked client. Um, I'm making sure that I keep regular communication with them via email and text message. Sometimes depending on, depends on what they what they choose as their primary way to to communicate. Okay. But I, I'll be sending them emails, um, answering these questions. You know, like kind of like my, you know, you have a fact a, a FAQ page on your website. Yeah answering the frequently asked questions, well, I'll send those, um, those bullet points basically in an email that that's personal. And we, you know, kind of talk through the things that I want them to be prepared for. So um, I get really organized about that. Like I know that I'm going to send a couple of emails before the, the engagement session, kind of leading them through the process and, and answering the questions that I know they're going to ask and getting them prepared for the, the, the session uh, I then uh, have a meeting before that session to, you know, have a voice-to-voice, face-to-face conversation about the information that they've received. So that way I can make sure we're on the same page and they've received that information. Ah. It, it is interesting. Very, very interesting. Most people don't read a lot of, <laughs> of things that you expect them to read. It's so true. having that meeting, yeah, having that meeting to follow up on, you know, the 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 points that I think that they should have by that time um, is really important just to make sure. Um, I don't want to assume that they know and then come to find they, they didn't read or, or you know, 
absorb the information I wanted them to. I like that, so, though. I don't think I've, we've had any, I mean, 400 and this is episode 481 or something like that that I've recorded. I don't know that I've had any photographer frame meetings in that light before where they're actually using them as a platform to, for confirmation. The information's already absolutely. been shared. Now we have the chance to meet in person. And you know, photographers endlessly talk about the significance of being able to meet in person for the sake of connection, which obviously is hugely important. But it's also an, uh, an opportunity for you, Das, you said, to confirm their understanding of the information that you've already shared. Uh, that's super, super important. And I really love that it kind is. of that framing of the meeting in that way. It is. It's, it's not only an opportunity to connect, but, um, you know, like the whole process, I, I've just learned over my 23 years of shooting weddings that the, the more information that we can exchange in both directions, the better their experience is going to be after, you know, during the wedding and the whole thing, the, the better it's going to be, the better the images are going to be because they're, they're comfortable and um, there's no, you know, floating question marks above anything. I've had a chance to like, and with certainty, paint a picture of who I am as a person, uh, an individual and who I am as a business owner. And, and they know what to expect as far as the experience and the images and, and, you know, the price point, the whole thing, like there's no surprises. So um, my process is, is, you know, down to a point now, so that they, they have every bit of information that I, I need them to have. And, and I am certain that they've, you know, they've absorbed it because we get to talk about it. And I'm, I work, I work those touch points uh, into the process. So, you know, it's even with that, there's no surprises. They know we're going to meet X number of times before uh, the wedding. And, mm. and um, that's, that's what happens. <laughs> and how many times do you normally meet with the client prior to the wedding? It depends on, on if they book any extra sessions or, or not. Like I, I'm a fashion photographer, so I like to kind of pull as much of my, my fashion experience into their experience as possible. So I offer like high fashion bridal session or um, extra opportunity to, to, to meet up and get great images. But typically for, for like a regular experience, it's, you know, four or five times we'll meet. Wow. Um, sometimes it's just, sometimes it's like a, like just a getting to know you meeting, like after they book, they'll get a, a welcome package and then they'll get a, a an email with the, a link to schedule um, a, a meetup. And it's not, you know, not around shooting. It's just, just let's get together. And, and uh, I think the email says, let's get together um, over your favorite drink or treats and, uh, and get to know one another kind of thing. Um, and that's an opportunity, you know, just, just for just what it is to get to know one another. Yeah. Um, and they get to see that I'm truly vested in, in them and their relationship and the, the money that they're paying me is truly, <laughs> you know, going, going into their experience. So it's, it kind of sets the stage and sets the bar like right off the jump. Wow. Okay. I, and, and just as a side note for anybody listening in who didn't realize that Doss is, as he mentioned, is also a fashion photographer. If you go to Doss, D-A-U-S-S-M-I-L-L-E-R.com, DossMiller.com, you'll see Doss's work. And Doss, I mean, if, as I'm looking at your, I have your fashion site pulled up here and then I also have your wedding site pulled up. This this is another example, and I've said this maybe a couple of times in the podcast before, but you you are an example of a photographer that I'm surprised doesn't have the notoriety that some photographers do. When it, I mean, your your work is stunning and it's so wide ranging, and and yet you're I I don't know like you know I should be seeing your name up on the 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 list of conference <laughs> speakers and this kind of thing, sharing about not only your photographic art but of course your experience in business. 
Um, it's just really beautiful stuff. For everybody listening in, you're going to want to make sure you follow Doss. And, and we mentioned uh, his wedding Instagram earlier, Doss Photo, D-A-U-S-S-F-O-T-O. But then also, if you go to D-A-U-S-S Miller, Doss Miller on Instagram, that's the fashion account there. And again, just mm-hmm. stunning work, man. Really great stuff. Thank you. Thank you, Nathan. I really appreciate that. <laughs> I really do. Absolutely. It's, and I agree. I agree. I feel like I, I should be, <laughs> you know, in, in lights and, and speaking at conferences as well. Uh, and, you know, honestly, it comes down to um, how, to, how I show up in my marketing um, uh, to the general public. Like I have, like I said, I've got some, you know, anxiety things and like, uh, uh, not good enough things that pop up, you know? Sure. So, um, my mindset is a big part of, of my, my routine and, and I'm also an educator. So, uh, in all the photographers that I'm speaking to and teaching, like it's all centered around, um, mindset because I realize how much of an impact that has on, on where we end up and how, how successful we can be. Um, on both sides of the the coin, you know, um, our potential, it limits our potential when we have great potential and it can also, um, you know, catapult us forward to where we need to be if, if our mindset is in the right spot. So, um, that's something I, I get to focus on a lot. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I hope that, um, you have more opportunity in the future to be on stage and being able to share with, with photographers at large. I mean, the, the industry is so massive these days and, um, it, it WPP, I think about these conferences, WPPI and PPA, uh, they are they are not even close to what they used to be, uh, but it's still an opportunity mm-hmm. for photographers to get to hear from other photographers who have experience, and hopefully you'll have more opportunity in that regard. But I want to keep moving because you know we started sure. with the tools that you're using, uh, questionnaires, emails, and meetings to as touch points, I like that word that you use, to educate, to, to manage expectations of your clients, potential clients and clients. Um, Within that, though, as you're kind of getting into that experience, as you book that client and you're working at personalizing that experience that you give to each client, there were a few concepts, again, that you mentioned to me before we started recording today. One was asking powerful questions. This is a phrase that you were using earlier. Uh, Then listening and then consistency in how you show up for the client. These are three ideas that drive this effort at bringing a personalized experience. So yet again, I'd like mm-hmm. to touch on each of these. Let's start with asking powerful questions. Um, this is interesting to me, and I'd love for you to give an example. Actually, before we even give me an example of the type of questions that you ask, how do you come up with these questions to begin with? Because it'd be really easy to just be like, you know, what's your wedding date? And what what type of dress are you wearing? And what kind of shoes are you wearing? And just ask all the, the typical <laughs> questions. To me, that doesn't strike me as a powerful question. How do you come up with yours? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, I think first off, cons- looking at everyone that we meet and deal with as a, a person, you know, like I, I think a lot of people lose focus or sight of the fact that, you know, we're in business and we're providing a service. Yes. Um, we need their information and details. Sure. So there's like a, there's like a, a, a rough and raw way to, to do that. And, you know, like a square way to do that. Um, but then there's a, a deeper, more personal way to do that. So like really being authentic and having like, like, you know, meaningful conversations like you would someone that you're, you're in a relationship with, like that's kind of what I, how I look at it. Like these, these, my couples are spending a, a healthy chunk of change with me. So I owe them um, the, you know, the, the attention to really dig in and, and to learn about their story. Like, you know, a powerful question would be, 
um, you know, to, to tell me um, or asking them, you know, what their what their favorite memories um, or vacations are and where they've been and how, you know, like uh, what they do together uh, as a couple. Those sorts of things are really important for me to learn about them. I, it, you know, sometimes I don't get like a, a direct or specific response, but within the story, um, I'm getting them into their emotions and I'm, I'm, you know, it's so multi-purpose for me is I'm getting their, you know, I'm getting the information and detail about their relationship. And I'm also, uh, you know, getting to fill in the the blanks or checking off the boxes for me um, of the things that I need to need to know about them, their uh, relationship and about their, their wedding plans. Sure. Um, so it's, it's both like a, a logistics, you know, checking off the box thing, but yeah. it's also an, emo- an emotional like relationship connection um, that that gets to build and grow. Okay, interesting. So powerful questions. I and mean, we could say on a very simple level that they are story driven. When we're exploring the yeah. story of the individual, as you said, the human being on the other side of you, we're not just looking at them as a as a client or a number, but a human being who has a story and that story drives their choices with, with regards to what they're looking for in their wedding, certainly the photography, uh, that enables us to come up with more creative, more powerful questions. But then, of course, once you ask those questions, you've got to you've got to listen, right? And uh, again, right. I'm guilty of and not just not just listen, not just listen, but listen to hear. Yes, yes, <laughs> like, truly listen to hear to like with intention to to absorb what is what is spoken in return. Like that's the part. And a lot of people miss that mark. Yeah. You know, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. But do you really hear me? <laughs> <You know? laughs> like it's, a, it's, a, it's a big distinguishing mark to make. What is? And, and it takes in a world that is uh, fast and that is largely, at least in American culture in any way, represented by, you know, short chunks of time where we give attention for just a tiny bit of time. And then suddenly we're, you know, squirrel, something's coming along and we're, we're, <laughs> we're following that. And so I, I'm wondering if there is a way that you have learned to more intentionally listen to, to, to actually, I mean, I'm going to, it's a cliche phrase. We hear it all the time, but truly be present in the conversation. Is, what has enabled you to do that more effectively? Uh, I just, you know, I just set the intention. Like, I, it's important, so I make sure that that um, I'm not distracted and that I can give them my my focus and my attention and and truly listen to hear. Um, and like like we said uh, earlier, uh, storytelling and and hearing stories and sharing stories is a really really important part of the process um, to connect on an emotional level and and find similarities and differences different between us as people and our lifestyles and, you know, really connect. And, you know, that's so important that it's, it's, you know, you don't want to come off of that intention. I don't want to like schedule a meeting or a time to talk when I know I'm going to be distracted or um, allow something else to come into the space. I I owe them the, my attention and focus. And then you talk, there's this third element of personalizing the client's experience that you you mentioned to me, it seemed very important to you um, when we were chatting before we started recording this idea of consistency in the way that you show up for the client. What does that mm-hmm. mean to you? Yeah. So yeah, being consistent in showing up period and, and then also being consistent in how you show up. Um, and that can be like, you know, in your marketing or in your emails, uh, the tone that you have, like the, the energy that you're coming from creating like a, a, a consistent experience for them. One of the biggest, like, uh, it kind of goes into trust, you know, like you want them to, 
to be able to trust who who you are. Uh, yeah. So if you show up, if you show up one day dark and moody, <laughs> you know, and and you're you, um, you, you're kind of like a, a different personality than you are uh, when they when they signed with you or they met you, it kind of throws a red flag, you know, it's right. like, wait, or how, how is he going to be on the wedding day? Now I don't, you know, now I'm not certain, like, who is, who are we going to be dealing with? So hmm. consistency in, in, and frequency and, and also in the tone and energy that you show up is really important. And it's something that I focus on. Um, and for me, it goes back to my morning routines and setting my intentions and, you know, being in the right frame of mind when, when it's time to, to have those important meetings or ask those powerful questions or, you know, um, mark those big, uh, check boxes, um, complete. I want to kind of switch gears just a little bit. Talk to me about gifts for clients. I know that you gift clients. Um, and, and I'm curious, well, about a few things. One, when do you give gifts to clients and, and maybe what motivates that gift giving. But then I'm also curious too, how you choose those gifts to give to the client to continue to maintain this personalization in the client experience. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's a custom thing. So sometimes it changes, it depends on the couple and it depends also on the information that I've gathered from them. If there's something cool, like, like I've had a, you know, some grooms that have been um, like tequila connoisseurs or, or into microbreweries or things like that. Yeah. So I'll, you know, drop, drop little, uh, gift cards or, or, um, you know, a link to a particular distillery or something in an email or a text message, uh, just to know, let them know that I'm thinking about them. And, and, you know, I found this awesome thing that we've talked about. Um, but in general, like the biggest gift that I give is, is right before the wedding day. Okay. Um, and I, I used to give gifts related to photography. Like I would give, you know, one of their favorite images from their engagement session, uh, a framed metal print or, you know, something like that, that kind of gives them uh, an opportunity to see the products if they haven't bought them already. So, uh, but then I came off of that a little bit. Um, I would work that in earlier in the experience so that I could uh, do some personal things, but it, like everything I try to make, try to get as much like as, as many miles as possible from everything that I do. So the personal gifts that I'll give now are like um, things that my, that I can uh, include in my lay flats for, for the wedding day, like a custom uh, ring box or a, a vintage hand mirror, you know, depending on what my, what my brides are into you know, custom mirror or uh, custom hangers have been really popular. Uh, I have a, a local vendor here that does calligraphy, beautiful calligraphy work. So um, we'll partner and, and she'll create some custom signage or, or something like that, that we get to use in the actual um, photos for the wedding day. So and, um, and, I typically try to do that right before the wedding, but it can be worked in, you know, anytime uh, during, the, during their experience. Okay. And it just kind of total surprise for them when they get that thing. That's got, like, I can imagine the expression on their face. Like there's just the, the excitement at that would be pretty awesome. Yeah. 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 You know, it's just like a, just like giving a gift in a relationship, Yeah, <laughs> you know, like uh, you'll, you'll catch the, the, the hint or uh, you know, you'll, you'll put the bait out and they'll answer the question. It's like, Ooh, now I know what I can give when this gift giving yep. uh, holiday comes up or whatever it yeah. is. And yeah, it's, it's usually a, a complete surprise. Um, like, Oh man, he was really listening when we were talking about what we, you know, yes. what we like to do together. Now we get to do this thing together yep. via our wedding photographer. Wow. You know, that's like a, a really big deal. So now I know when they think about photography or wedding photography, they're probably going to think about me because 
not only do they end up with awesome images, but they had such a, a you know, unique um, personal experience with me that I'm going to be the one they think of whenever it comes up. Yeah. And, and to our earlier conversation, because you were listening, because you were paying attention, you're able to do that more effectively. That's that's really good. Speaking of gifts, and I, I want to kind of close our conversation with this, but something that you do is with your clients is to offer a complimentary anniversary session for mm-hmm. your couples. W- where did this idea come up with in the first place? Well, it is uh, something to connect the experience and, and to extend the experience. So typically in the spring, I'll offer, um, I've, as my business has grown, have, have grown and I've, you know, my client list is, has grown, it makes the most sense for me to offer a few weekends in the spring, like before wedding season kicks into high gear. And um, I offer kind of like a mini, mini session experience. And I invite, you know, I'll send out a, a, a blast email to all of my past clients and um, see who's interested in, in um, scheduling, you know, a 20 to 30 minute block of time okay. uh, to have, have a quick, you know, I'll pick a, a cool, um, uh, you know, kind of elite location and um, have everyone meet and, uh, and go through kind of like a mini session day. The beautiful thing about that is it, it's like a, a chance to re- reconnect and see their, their families growing and keep in touch. Um, it's also another, you know, sales opportunity, revenue building opportunity. And, uh, a lot of times, like if it's the, the first anniversary session, like their, their initial, um, complimentary anniversary session, um, I'll have a gift for them that, um, is, is from, you know, something that they've learned about me. So, uh, I love plants. I have, I have, I can't remember the number hundreds of plants at my house. Um, yeah, I love plants of all kinds. (laughs) So, uh, usually around their, their wedding day, I'll, um, like I'll take a cutting from one of my plants and then, um, I'll bring it to the anniversary session so I can gift them, uh, you know, a, a living plant. Now, if my client is someone that says, I, I don't, I don't have a green thumb, I kill plants and that, you know, <laughs> I'll come up with something different, but, sure. but, uh, just an, another opportunity there. So, you know, it's like everything else, it's multi-purpose. It's a great way to connect and, um, uh, be on top of mind when photography comes about and, you know, more revenue opportunity. Man, what a cool idea. And how thoughtful too, to think about getting that plant ready to then give to them as a kind of a representation of their relationship, the beginning of their relationship. That's a really cool thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, th- this has been, this has really turned into an interesting conversation to us. And, and yet again, I have to thank you for making time for me, for our listeners, uh, for a second episode. Maybe we can do a third at some point, but we yeah, just- Yeah, man, <laughs> I'm down. Well, remind all of our listeners where they can follow you, because I want to make sure that they have the chance to, to see your work and potentially follow you, even DM you if they've got questions. Perfect. Yeah, I'm on uh, Instagram at Doss Miller uh, and Doss Photo, F-O-T-O. Um, I'm also on Facebook. You can search my name. Um, and I've got a, a private group for photographers uh, where I'm providing value and, and talking through a lot of these things we've discussed, my processes and things that work for me in my business, um, from marketing through client experience and the whole nine, um, sharing sharing some golden nuggets in that group. So feel free to reach out out to me on Facebook and connect and all of that. (laughs) Well, we'll link to all of that in the show notes at bocapodcast.com for anybody listening in. Make sure you take advantage of these resources because we shared a lot of information today, talking points, uh, books, and, and of course the social media and website. So we'll, we'll put all of that in the show notes, bocapodcast.com 
Thanks once again, Das, for hanging out with us. Thank you, Nathan. Always a great time, man. Thanks so much, photographers, for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought of the show by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at bocapodcast.com. Make sure to visit our sponsors, photographersedit.com, custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and milu.com, that's M-I-I-L-U.com, the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing.